Welcome to the Strategic Talent Management People Solution Podcast. We solve your people challenges. People are the most important ingredient for your business or organization's success. We believe the way to take your organization to the next level begins with knowing your people and yourself. Welcome to another episode of Strategic Talent Management's People Solutions Podcast. In this episode, Art and Sue discuss providing rewards and incentives to your employees that are meaningful to them. So, Sue, it's nice to see you again after your world travels. So I know you're all uh, re-energized and motivated to work hard for the next 15 months till your next vacation. (laughs) I hope I get a vacation before 15 months, but we'll see. Well, it occurred to me that we've been talking about uh, uh, doing a podcast on motivators for some time, and and your vacation is a perfect uh, foil to talk about that. Okay. So I think what we were we were talking about earlier was just the idea that, you know, in terms of management and HR and so forth, people are always looking for uh, creative ways, but more effective ways to motivate people. And sometimes the uh, the tools seem rather narrow. We have you know the paycheck or a bonus or maybe uh, you know a dinner out or tickets to a theater or something like that, but uh, it's, it can feel a little bit random sometimes. And I, as I said, we've talked about this two or three times in the past, but one of the things that we know from our work with motivators is they're not visible. So it does, it does pose a bit of a challenge to people to, to uh, f- figure out r- what really works well. But even if you don't have a formal motivational assessment, what we've often talked about in presentations and so forth is that pay close attention to an individual's hobbies, their interests, their habits. And that's going to give you some genuine clues about what, uh, what really, in fact, motivates them. Right. And, and some clues into how to most effectively reward them so that it's meaningful. It's not always about the paycheck or the bonus. Right. Right. For every person. That's what I keep telling you, but you haven't listened to me. <laughs> well, my highest motivator is ROI. So for <laughs> me, it's about the paycheck and the bonus. But uh, one of one of the things we often talk about is uh, the the danger in trying to read somebody else's motivators and come up with an effective way to to reward them, as you put it, is that it's very easy to project my values on somebody else. Uh, and this is, we call this a behavioral bias because if, if I identify that the person across the table seems to share my, my, core, motiva- uh, my core behaviors, uh, it's an easy step to assume, oh, well, they must also share my worldviews and, and uh, uh, you know, think the way I do, they're motivated the way I do. So it's easy, I'm just gonna give them something that would motivate me. And that's where we get into trouble. So that's why we turn to the, to the hobbies for that answer. And I know uh, one example that you and I've talked about many times is a young man that was recruited for a position to a new city. 
and you had made, we, you know, we usually try to give somebody, you know, the client and the uh, candidate some gift, you know, a small token of our appreciation for working with us and so forth. And you had the idea of giving this guy a book about hiking in that area. So maybe tell that story. How did you arrive to that particular conclusion? Yes. Well, as, as you said, paying attention to hobbies gives you some clues as to what makes people tick. So I always, in my initial interview, ask what people like to do with their mm. free time. And he went on and on about how much he loves to hike. And it just seemed a natural thing to do when he was moving to New Mexico from Vermont, I believe, was to uh, to give him the lay of the land as far as the hiking trails and so forth. So that's that's just one, you know, that was a small token. But um, when talking about the people on your team and how you reward them, um, it's it's a good way to approach it is, is really look at, you know, what do they value? What are their hobbies? And that can give you some clues as to what will be the most meaningful kind of reward. And just a kind of a, a tip to the person listening who says, okay, I want to use that. But a lot of people say, oh my goodness, free time. What's free time? I don't have any free time. So I will often qualify that with, if you had the free time or if you had two weeks and there was absolutely no other commitments and you and your spouse or friends or whatever were going to go off into uh, have you know absolutely free time, what would you do? Or sometimes asking people what they used to do, maybe when they were younger and had mm -hmm. free time, like they, they painted or they played a musical instrument or something. So just as a kind of a practical tip, you might have to work on that one a little bit, but mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it will give you clues because if you will, hobbies or motivators do not change over a lifetime. So the chances are good if somebody was a musician in their teens and enjoyed it and they're not doing it today, it's strictly because they're a young parent or it's strictly because their job requires a lot of time. It's mm -hmm. not that they've forgotten about music or will never right. return to it. So you had the idea of, you know, kind of going through the system we use as a, as a rough guide. And uh, so let's, let's start off with a subject we call knowledge and discovery. It's really about learning. Yes. How would you, how would you interview to that Sue or, or questions to ask or, or what would you, and how well, would you reward that style? Let's talk about some, some clues, whether it's, you know, we're, we're talking about the people for today's purposes that are already on your team. So you've already interviewed them, but you may not know what really um, is, what their core values really are. So paying attention to things like, do they read a lot of trade journals? Are they really interested in current events? They read biographies and history and nonfiction. Do they take a lot of classes? Um, do they like to go to seminars? And if you notice this in a person I and mean, their value to the team is they'll, they'll pay attention to accuracy and, and getting the facts straight. They'll be innovative. Um, they'll study the data. So these are all clues that, um, that this is of importance to someone and rewarding them with um, continuous education, 
sending them to conferences or classes. We have an example of that with our own assistant, very high value for knowledge and discovery. And we wanted to do something to, um, to show her that we really appreciate her. So we enrolled her in a certificate program for human resources. And she completed what was a one-year program <laughs> in about two months. And yeah, she is, just, is I think thirsty she just for more. It up. <laughs> so, so there's an example for someone that you notice those, those elements um, for value for learning and, and gaining knowledge. There's an example of, of how you might reward them in a way that's very meaningful. Well, and it was uh, very meaningful for us too, because we wanted the support on the HR side. Uh, and we had talked to her about that, but you know, she didn't have the right skills or didn't have enough skills or whatever. Uh, so that's a, that's a very good example. And one thing, again, just sort of a tip to people listening is that uh, you don't want to stop with a question, do you do a lot of reading or do you watch a lot of documentaries and then say, oh, okay, they're, they're motivated by learning. I'm just going to go right on to the next question. And in the interview guide that uh, we have, I, I remember an example in there that was based on a friend of mine who, if you asked her if she's a reader, you'd get the question answer yes. And if you said, "Did you? When's the last book you read?" She would say, "Last week." But if you keep pressing, you would have found out she's into romance novels. Right. And reading romance novels is not a sign of learning. It's just a sign of they enjoy being entertained, and and books is a way to do that. It is not a learning motivator. So. Right. Again, the 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 uh, the practical advice there is just to uh, probe a little bit, like you would with any good interview question, and just make sure that you're hearing what you think you're hearing and right. not something else. Right. So you you mentioned ROI, your yes. favorite subject, and <laughs> ROI is pretty much as it suggests is somebody who's motivated to make money or save money or you know there's a practical aspect to it. And the interesting thing about ROI is if you quiz them about hobbies, you're probably going to come up with crickets because they don't really have hobbies. I, I was just talking to a client the other day about this and, and pointed out that, uh, uh, you know, somebody with a high ROI, they might tell you they play golf and you might think, oh, they're competitive. And I get a certain sense of, you know, motivator from that. But maybe they play golf, not because they love the game, but because uh, it's a good way for them to stay in touch with their banker friends or something. So, mm -hmm. again, you have to probe a little more uh, or a lot of, uh, you know, a, a kind of a classic ROI activity would be, you know, flipping houses in your spare time because they don't like spare time. That's not productive. So they're not flipping houses because they love carpentry and they're. Uh, that kind of thing. They're, they're flipping houses strictly to make money. Uh, so so with a, if you kind of come up with, gee, I'm not hearing any real hobbies. If you probe and press a little bit, you might come to the conclusion, oh, this is not so much about a hobby per se. It's just they like to be productive and, and earning all the time, no matter what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So that's a... That's a uh, that's a good one. And, and here, again, per our joke earlier about you and your motivators, yes, you know, with ROI, a, a financial reward or a 
commission structure or something like that will in fact be motivating. But one thing I've learned over the years, you've got to be cautious not to overdo the the money side. Even even an ROI, an ROI person would appreciate the tickets to the theater because that's 200 bucks they didn't have to cough up out of their own checkbook and it can make their uh, spouse uh, happy to for an evening or something. So again, we're not saying you never give uh, you know, a ROI person anything but money or you only give a learning-oriented person a book, uh, but it, it gives you a, a place to start at least. Or it could be just a resource that helps them save time and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what were you thinking there, for example? Um, some sort of tool for to help them be more efficient or an assistant or something mm-hmm. of that nature. That's a good point. Ways that they can save their time and energy and really focus on the results. Excellent. I like it. I'm going to write that down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about leadership, which, by the way, is my second motivator. <laughs> yes, it is. So this is people that are into competitive sports, maybe some showy cars or um, activities. Traveling. Traveling. Exotic places. Um, politics, <laughs> leadership positions on boards or on teams, hobbies that involve leading people or or themselves to win or to stand out in some way. It's really about political control and recognition. Um, you know the value to the team. Some other clues in the in terms of the the role that you see your people playing. This is somebody who will provide leadership to a team, keep everybody moving in the same direction, focused on the goal, um, think strategically and more big picture. Um, and the rewards there, you know, having the freedom, the, the command and control and authority to lead a team as they see fit, um, additional power, control, new title, um, you know, promotions and, and just overall recognition for a job well done. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out that even though the, the title of this motivator, we call it leadership, it doesn't mean only, you know, being an official leader or an official manager. Uh, while that might work for somebody with a good deal of experience and you can literally put them in charge of a team or make them a senior vice president or director or what have you. Now, if you've got somebody who's really just starting on their career path and doesn't have the experience, well, clearly making them a, a boss uh, is not going to work. It's, it, it, it might be a disaster. So what, what specifically do you recommend, Sue, for people with maybe young or uh, new talent on their teams who are clearly motivated by leadership how do you how do you give them that authority and control without uh, literally giving them a team to run or promoting them to vice president overnight? Giving them the ability to be the point person on a particular project. There you go. You, you are the go-to person for this project. It doesn't mean that you're managing other people necessarily, but you're the one who is in charge of making sure this project moves forward. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me of a quote I heard from my Navy friends that maybe you're 
you're only in charge of the broom closet on the ship, but it's going to be the best kept broom closet in the entire U.S. Navy. Right. And, I mean, that's what we're talking about is there, you know, it could be a small singles, you know, project uh, that they're maybe in charge of. Maybe they're only in charge of one other person or maybe it's just them and they have to organize everybody else. But giving people that opportunity and as we often say in, you know, our HR work, communication is the key thing. You want to constantly communicate and keep in touch with somebody like that to make sure they recognize that if they work hard and they're successful and they accomplish certain tasks, they will get those titles and so forth. Uh, And in the meantime, these little projects or little assignments are a valuable step. They need to understand why you're giving them those uh, assignments, not just, oh, it's another, another project. Right. So it, it leads me to uh, think about our one of my favorite topics, which is the aesthetics, <laughs> which on the surface is about being motive, being creative. You know, an artist or a painter or a musician, uh, uh, almost without fail, will have a very strong aesthetics motivator. And in terms of of rewarding people, which is what we're kicking around today. Clearly, giving somebody who's known musician or they're a painter, I mean, you can give them tickets to a museum or whatever, but you can, you can think of it more broadly than that. The first layer I would think about is we're not talking about just somebody who is an artist, uh, but think of creative opportunities. People who are high aesthetics tend to appreciate new experiences. So travel uh, is on that list or something unique like a, a, you know, maybe it's a a train trip instead of an airplane flight, or maybe it involves, uh, uh, you know, a a particular uh, unique destination in the trip. They'll appreciate those things because, again, they're into, it's about experiences, not simply that they're artistic. And the kind of the next level out, I like to remind people when they, when they are talking about rewards or thinking about rewarding somebody with a high aesthetic is that they're really systems thinkers and they might not even show overt signs of being, uh, you know, having a so-called creative hobby like music or painting or uh, creative writing, but they may have a very uh, it, because the fundamental part of aesthetics is a systems mind. I like to say the high aesthetic is able to form order out of chaos. Right. So that's why a musician can look at a page of music where, speaking for myself, I see a bunch of black dots on s- small lined paper that doesn't mean anything, but a real musician can hear the music just by looking at that chaotic uh, sequence of black dots on the paper. So you often will see aesthetics show up in the computer, the digital side of the house. Yes, coders and right, and designers. Like you'll, you'll find that often they uh, coders and digital people often are musicians, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's just it's good to think more broadly. It's not just uh, kind of the simple uh, creative side. And I know a lot of our a lot of our clients have creatives 
both in the, say the graphic design department, but also the digital department. And so that's a, that's a good way to uh, think about it. Uh, another thing you were talking about competitive sports. Well, the, the high leadership might be in the competitive sports because he or she wants to win. Uh, the high aesthetic might also like sports. Lots of people like sport, but they might be more into sports like golf where they, they can go out by themselves. It's all about self-improvement. Or, or on that same note, they're into self-help books, uh, mm -hmm. maybe a retreat to uh, help them uh, recharge their batteries. Again, something unique, but self, you know, something around self-improvement uh, right. is, is usually more important than the competitive aspect of a lot of those things. Right. So next up is um, helping others. And that's really being focused on being of service to other people, whether that's individuals or through big causes. Um, there could be a couple of different flavors to this. You know, these are the folks that do a lot of volunteer work. They may be teaching or coaching or, or mentoring other people. Um, they may be very active in social issues, things that are other focused. Um, you know, these people will, um, be the, the ones who are always trying to help out the person next to them, um, giving some guidance, the, the supportive team player. I was going to say, maybe it's exactly what you want and say a support role or a receptionist right. or whatever. You want somebody who's naturally looking to help people. Right. Um, you know, they they may focus and, you know, they may, the, may be the one on the team that's very focused on being helpful to the client or taking on volunteer work for the team, socially conscious. You know, we hear a lot of companies are, are trying to be more socially aware and give back. You're helping others, people are gonna be the ones that are driving that in your organization. So, so what can you give those people? Giving them some time. There you go. To volunteer. Yeah, that time is probably stretched thin because they give it away, give it away. They have their own duties. And wow, a half a day off from work to volunteer at the soup kitchen is, would be perfect for them. Right, right. Also opportunities to become a mentor mm -hmm. or a trainer, to, to use their skills and knowledge and expertise to benefit other people. These are things that are really going to resonate with your high helping others folks. Yeah, and in a very practical way. Uh, in fact, I just did a write-up this morning where I recommended that they be sure to assign an individual who will be this new employee's mentor, uh, selecting somebody that is at least mildly oriented to helping others is a perfect choice for a mentor. And it would not only benefit the, in this case, the new employee, but it has a double benefit because it will be particularly rewarding to the, to the employee who's being the mentor or taking the time where, you know, some people might think, oh, it's another project. I have to go mentor this young guy. Uh, if they're motivated by helping others, that's not a, that's not a, a, a difficulty at all. They, they would enjoy being the mentor. And that's, that's really what we're talking about here. The motivation uh, and the reward, it might, it might fit me beautifully. It doesn't fit you at all because we have different uh, things that drive us. Right. 
So let's talk about guiding principles, Art. Yeah, and this one I know for, for our clients is sometimes a wee bit confusing because it's, again, it's sort of like the aesthetic on the surface, guiding principles, as the name implies, is somebody who's motivated to do things right. Uh, and that is to say right by ethical standards or integrity. And I've always, I always use this to quickly point out to people just because you don't have a high guiding others score or I'm sorry, guiding principles score doesn't mean you have no ethics. Uh, all motivators motivate everybody. But what Sue and I are talking about here is that, you know, being able to pick out the two or three things that really motivate somebody, sort of the first among equals. And guiding principles fits that very well is, uh, and again, some clues to an individual's strong and guiding principles is uh, they may have a particular interest in anything historical or tradition uh, is a big thing. So those people get very excited of, uh, with the Hanukkah celebrations or family events or you know per traditional parades that find themselves volunteering for those. That, there's a clue there that they may be strong guiding principles. Uh, think of it as a deep commitment to, to something. Uh, but typically something bigger than themselves, hence family, community, religion, and so forth. So those are some clues. And uh, one of the uh, one one area to uh, that you can particularly be that can be rewarding to somebody with a high guiding principles is maybe in your company you're you know you're revamping the website and somebody had the idea we got to revamp the, the history. It's kind of boring or bland and we haven't really touched it for a while. We need somebody to rewrite that or go dig up some photographs from the, the past. I mean, that's a, that might be a very rewarding assignment to somebody with strong guiding principles. And by the way, if they also got a little aesthetic, it might be a perfect assignment. Right. Uh, so there, you know, something like that. Also, you'll find that people with strong guiding principles are attracted to uh, positions that have an audit kind of function or a fiduciary function. Right, compliance uh, I, of some yeah, variety. So putting them in charge of compliance, uh, if there's a certain division in your organization that, uh, you know, like the accounting department, or maybe there's an audit function, safety audits or something like that, might be especially exciting for, for uh uh, somebody with a strong guiding principles. Right. Writing rules and policies and, and structure is another mm -hmm. way to really key into that guiding principles is they like rules. They like knowing what the expectations are and, and following the guidelines. So let's move on to our, our last one, which is peace and harmony. Um, and it, it is what it sounds like. It's wanting harmony either within yourself or in your world, the world around you. You know, people who are conflict averse, we just all want everybody to get along, don't want to rock the boat. You know, hobbies can be things like meditation, massage, spiritual, um, maybe Eastern cultures or methodologies. 
um, being involved in groups that promote harmony and peace and, and things of that nature. On the team, these are the ones who are, you know, you'll know them because there's there's a certain amount of emotional control and composure, even when things are chaotic or stressful. They're the ones who are always trying to calm other people down. Um, they want to create win-win solutions and they, you know, they tend to be good mediators. They're the good, they're the peacemakers. They are the peacemakers. The things that will resonate with them in terms of rewards are things like additional paid time off or, or personal time. Also things like access to coaching or counseling. It's all about that inner peace and having harmony um, and and a lack of conflict in the and world. A, and again, them. to talk about something we mentioned earlier, it doesn't mean you can't give them a book because they're not high knowledge and discovery, but they might particularly enjoy a book on Eastern cultures or yoga or something like that, that, that uh, directly impacts or directly addresses something that they're interested in. Right. So again, these things are mixing and matching, but I think what was useful about our discussion today, Sue, is it it gives people some specific things to look into in a specific way or a structured way to look at the people, especially on their teams that they want to reward. Right. Well, I'm glad we got together. Yes. And this was a fun conversation. Yes, it was. So we'll talk more about motivators, I'm sure at some point in the future, but we always in terms do. of recognizing and rewarding, I think we've, We've given folks some good tools. Okay, take care. So thank you for listening to another episode of Strategic Talent Management's People Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe to get notifications for new episodes. And for more information on strategic talent management, click on the link to our website in the podcast description.